You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Hayes Radio Media Group, and we are on with the CNT Law Group, and this is the Media Hour. And we are here with Cindy, and today we are going to be discussing topics related to um, keeping your businesses, documentations, policies, and procedures kind of structured and everything. And then that's um, what we're going to go into. Cindy has a lot of great tips for us, and we are so excited for today's episode. Hi, everyone. Yeah, so today's episode is going to be what I call policies, procedures, and documentation. So I know that, uh, that a lot of business owners kind of believe we already have those things in mind, but don't forget, again, this, this whole media hour that we're here to talk to everyone about is how to protect ourselves and minimize the possibility of litigation. So let's talk about your policies, procedures, and how you document those things. Ooh, this is, this is so good. This, I think... Um, I, I always love these episodes because I'm like, we're always talking about so many preventative measures. And if we take care of them before, then once we run into, if we run into an issue later in our business, then we're always able to kind of, um, you know, come to grips with that or, or we're not running around kind of like chickens with our heads cut off, you know? Um, <laughs> I, know I mean, it's, you talk about organization and you talk about different things, but one of the things that we try to do with, with these media hours that uh, for our listeners is really giving you some practical understanding of how things work in the in the field of law, in the court of law, so that you are prepared in you know, one way or another, a little more prepared to figure out how to deal with this if you ever find yourself in court or having to face a lawsuit or having to file a lawsuit, right? Because it works both ways. So one of the things that um, businesses do all the time is is they do their business. They have policies and, and they, you know, and oftentimes what you're looking at is you think about policies and you think only large businesses have policies, but it's like, no, don't all businesses have policies? You just don't realize what they are, but you have them. Right. Wow. Right. And so, like, for for some of our listeners, like, I know this may sound like a, a basic question, but do you mind just explaining what the differences are between each um, sure. policy Absolutely. and procedure? Yeah. So, first thing I want to talk about is, you know, like I said, large businesses have policies and procedures and, you know, all of that. And so small businesses often like, we don't need those things, but... The truth is you have them. You just don't realize that, and oftentimes you don't pay attention to. That's what it really is. Uh, A policy is more or less how you handle your business, how you do your business, right? So policy is a guideline of what you do. So let's just, for example, um, a, a import business would, they have guidelines on how, you know, what do they do when they order products? What do they do when when they sell items to people? And you think about, well, what are the policies? Well, purchase order comes in there's a, you know, our policy is we don't we don't send we don't send products out until we have an order so there's a policy right there right. but you know, you and I and, and most business owners think of well, that's just how we do business right. but that's a policy it's like I mean when you get a phone call and someone wants to return items to you what's your policy right. well you're kind of like well my rule policy is kind of your rules and your guidelines of how right. you do your business right well my rule is if the thing's damaged, I'm not, re- I'm not accepting returns. Right. You okay. know, our, our online guys who sell through Amazon, there's policies there too. And that the policy is your guidelines, how you do things, right? Um, okay. the, the why you do things. So, you know, we don't, we don't send out products until we have a confirmed order and a down payment or something like that to that effect. And right. if you're a online business, oftentimes you don't, ship out the product, um, even if you're an eBayer or whatnot, you don't ship out the product until it's confirmed that the person pays for it. Right. That's a policy. And why do we not ship out the products until we get payment? Um, because then they can just run off with our policy. The policy is why. The right. policy is why do we do this? Now, next is the procedure. How do we enforce this policy? Hmm. So just having the policy on its own is kind of weightless, but the procedure will kind of add that to it. Is that kind of it? Right. Well, well, think of it as this is my rule. 
your policy is your rule. Right. Uh, how you what what you what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do, you know, things like that. Then the procedures. How do you enforce that? So oftentimes okay. policy and procedure go hand in hand because right. sometimes the procedure is how you do things, right? Right. And you can look at it as the policy explains how you do things. But at the same time, the procedure is what enforces your policy. Right. Okay. So it's, it's kind of like a chicken and an egg, but not really. Right. 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 Well, you need one and you, well, you need both. Um, you need both. You know, and you, most of the time, businesses have both. Right. But they're not looking at it. They're not looking at it from the perspective of this is really your policies and your procedures. And then the next step, which is what we as um, oftentimes lawyers will always ask is, have you documented that? Um, Before we we get on the documentation part, I have a quick question. So would the policies and procedures be used kind of in the new hiring process if you're hiring a new employee on staff Mm -hmm. or... With that mm-hmm. only, oh, okay, perfect, perfect. Well, you know, your policies and procedures come into play all across the board of things you do with your business. Okay. Um, it can, it, it, policy could be as easy as when a phone call comes in. Okay. If you're a business, you're going to tell you, you're not going to like it very much when your receptionist picks up the phone and goes, hello. Right, right, or hey. Yeah, no. Exactly. <laughs> so our policy is, at least at my law firm, our policy is, Law offices, how may I help you? That's oh, how we answer okay. the phone. Why? And, and, the, and you know, that's our policy. We don't just pick up the phone and say hello. Right, we right. greet. We have a greeting. Our policy is we have a greeting when we pick up the phone. Okay. The procedure is here's what you say. Right. Okay. Okay. Right? So that's kind of uh, like the guidelines. Right. Yeah. Because the last thing you want is someone to take up the phone as your reception and goes, hello, what right. do you want? Right. And then they don't know what if someone was calling to speak to a law office, but you answered hello, and now they don't. They're like, "Did I call a law office?" You know, and so well, they. One, it doesn't sound professional, and two, right. we didn't have no idea what we're doing. Right, but right. that's. I mean, that's a basic, like taking the policies and procedures down to a basic level. It, it was like that's just a rule. You don't pick up the phone and say hello. Right. You have a greeting. Right. Our policy is to greet our cust- our customers and clients that call in. If someone walks in through the door, you you don't just stare at them. That's not our policy. Our policy is to greet them. Hi, how can I help you? Right. That's okay. the policy. Greet your cl- clients. The procedure is this is what you say, and then what do you do next? Oh. Right. And then there's a step-by-step of what do you do to gotcha. enforce the policy of greeting the customer. And so heading right. into the, you know, documentation phase, would the documentation be you writing down the prompt of this is how yes. you answer the phone properly? Okay. Yes. Gotcha. So from, from that point of view, we're talking about possibly employee handbooks okay. and what we call practices and uh, procedures, right? Best practices and, and procedures. But um, something as simple as answering the phone or, or greeting customers, some Companies don't think, and some businesses don't think that's necessary. It's common sense. Right. But, um, so you don't have to write it down, but you still train your people that way. But there are other things that you do in your business that do require some sort of documentation. So employee, employee policies, things like, you know, you get, so, you, you get the 10-minute breaks between um, every four hours that you work or something. Right. You're supposed to get 10-minute breaks. Every six hours that you work, you're supposed to get a 30-minute, you know, paid or an unpaid eating time. So your 10-minute breaks are paid under the law, and uh, meal breaks are not paid, but every six hours that you work, they have to give you at least a 30-minute meal time break, um, you know. So, so those are policies, and and part of those policies are actually law, right, because mm-hmm. There's this labor division and everyone that enforces some of these things. So those are policies. The next thing you want to talk about is in your employee handbook is these are the policies. You get this. Or how about vacation time, sick pay? Those are all policies that you've established for your employees. Um, you know, also, then you talk about in your handbook, you talk about the procedures in going about to enforce those policies. Let's say, you know, the 10-minute breaks. How do you enforce that 10-minute break? Because by law, you have to do it. So your your employee handbook 
um, which is documentation, they talk about, you know, employees must take their 10-minute breaks uh, and it's on them, but when they take their 10-minute break, they need to notify a supervisor so we know where that they're taking their break. Um, or maybe we're talking about vacations. You know, you want to take vacation? The procedure is you have to ask for 30 days in advance in writing, telling us the days that you want to take off, how many hours. Those are the procedures. But if you don't have it on documentation, then not everyone knows that. And for good business practice, you have that on documentation. When you have a new hire, you just hand them the handbook and have them sign off and say, okay, I received the employee handbook. I know the policies and the procedures, and, and you're good. But if you don't have a handbook to hand to them for them to read, what you end up having to do is every time you hire a new employee, you have to go through all of that with them, and then they don't have a book to refer to. And whenever they want to do, you know, something within the policies, they're going to have to ask you, well, what's the procedure? How do I go and get vacation time? Right. You know, to that. And this is just the simple stuff. What if we start getting into the more, you know, Complex the more and, intricate stuff of your right. business? Um, so, um, depending. quick question, Cindy. So, would that be the same as like maybe, so let's say it's a retail type of establishment and you don't have these policies or procedures documented and let's say it's a, you know, it's an item return. Well, one person knows, okay, well, we don't return items at the store if they're damaged, but the other person doesn't know that already because it's not written down anywhere. So mm -hmm. you're following two different kind of policies in the same establishment. Is that kind of one of the problems that can arise? That's one of the, that's definitely one of the problems that can arise. So okay. let's take that example that okay. you just talked about in retail when we have a return, you have, I, and I, when that comes up, I see so many issues, right? It's not just the employees not uh, following the right procedure because you don't have it down and you don't have the, they don't have a, you know, they might have gone through the training, they forgot, but they don't have a book to go back to and say, well, how do we do this return? So they, one would do it one way, one would do it another way. Right. What you have now is there's no uniform way of handling this and your employees, who do you fault when someone does it wrong? Right. 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 Number right. one, that's internal. That's an internal issue. Right. But I see an external issue of one customer gets to return and the other customer doesn't get to return and no one explains to them how. Right. Yeah, that's the that's the part, you know, and both external and internal issues can lead to, you know, in most cases, it's very small customers' complaints and whatnot, but the repeated pattern of that can lead to a lawsuit. I mean, oh, wow. you know, that's okay. where you see these class action lawsuits against businesses and all the customers are listed as it. And by the time we settle, each customer gets like 20 cents. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> the attorneys get quite a bit right. for, for doing that, right? But the rest of the clients, you know, who were all part of this giant class cents. action lawsuit, oh. you, you get this huge multi-million dollar settlement. Right. You, Everybody's all like, the customers payday. Get like yeah. credit. <laughs> <laughs> right. So one of the things is has to do with policies and procedures as well. It's like if you have the policies and procedures and you document it and you train your people properly to follow it, consistently follow the procedure to enforce these policies, then it minimizes on some of the chances of something going wrong, the chances of someone doing it wrong. Um, but if it's documented, then we take it to the next level of when an employee does something wrong and, and goes outside of procedure and you want to now have a chat with this employee and, you know, document or at least track that they've done something wrong. Right. If you don't have some of these policies and procedures in writing and where they're trained and, and they have something to reference back, how do you fault them later on for that? Right. right. And then it goes to the next step of documentation. What are your employment policies and how do you proceed with that? If, if you say employees are making mistakes, they they get faulted, um, you you have a write up, and all. If you have those procedures down, the employee knows when they have a mistake, they have so many chances to fix the mistakes, or, or, or you know, whatever the company's policy is to help an employee fix the mistakes that they have and learn from it. Um, if you don't fall, if you don't have those policies and procedures and you randomly change it, then you face an issue where employees will start feeling like they're either discriminated against right. or they're not, you know, and oh, that's where okay. then you face a whole different issue where someone comes in with a lawsuit and then your attorney's going to ask you, first thing, first thing I always ask is, well, 
did you have did you did you document the process of reprimanding the employee right. what did you go through and what is your evidence so that now we can present it to the court or to the you know the labor department that we did everything right and the employee is making a baseless complaint wow okay right. But without the documentation, you can have your policies, you can have your procedures, but if you don't document the fact how you're implementing those policies and procedures, then we have no evidence to show. So it's a a multi-step process. It's first establishing your rules, then establishing the way you enforce these rules, and then making sure you have all of that written down. On top of that, every time you are enforcing it, you want to have some sort of documents to show. And, and we're talking mainly in, in parts of employ, employment policies, right? We're talking about the employees because right. every business owner is the biggest issue is how, how do we treat our employees? How do we train them? How do we, you know, um, how do we fire them right, <laughs> as right, well, right? right? Yeah. So how, do we let, how do we terminate someone from employment if, they are, if they're constantly making mistakes? Well, one of your policies and procedures. So what is your policy? Three strikes, you're going to get let go. Um, some employers, I like for a lot of the handbooks that we do for our employers that we represent, there's something we always talk about, job abandonment, where an employee doesn't show up to work without advance notice um, you know, for so many days consecutively. We deem them as aban- abandoning their job, and then the procedure at that point is to issue a job abandonment letter to the employee that their position is now ter- uh, that their their job, their employment with the company is terminated for this reason. We issue that letter, um, and then if the employee comes back, we may have a separate set of procedures as to whether we want to then bring the employee back or not. But we'll go through that process so that if the employee then you know, files a complaint for wrongful termination. Right. We have documentation. You have documentation that the employee didn't show up to work for this day, this day, and this day without any communication. And you sent a letter, which then gives them the opportunity to notify you of something serious. You never want to terminate someone if, God forbid, they got into an accident on their way to work and, right. and are out of contact for five days, right? right. right. Um, you want to issue that letter and, and give them a chance to let you know what's going on and then, then you know, go from there and decide what you can do or not do. Um, but those are important. Those procedures are important because otherwise you're facing potential you know, wrongful termination lawsuits, who knows what else, um, claims, uh, not a non-payment of this. And so we have to make sure as employers, it's so hard for businesses. When you do business, you make money, you have clients, you have everything, but at the same time, you're also making yourself very vulnerable. You're opening yourself to potential situations that can lead to lawsuits and complaints and whatnot. So you have to protect yourself both ways. It's not just about your products. It's also about how you handle the customers, how you handle the employees. Um, we have to be careful of all of that. That's one reason why attorneys and litigators, you know, stay in business, right? Because right. So you kind of have way, especially to... Especially in California. Would you... So, okay. So on a smaller scale, um, for like a small business owner... Would a contract be seen as a policy and procedure or would it be you taking some of those items out of the contract and saying this is what the structure is for our business going forth? Yes. So contracts are a little different, right? But they are, okay. contracts are the documentation phase of things, right? Okay. Um, because of the documents. But con- contracts are not necessary policy and procedures. They may reference policies and procedures in the contract. Okay. So say for those of you, like yourself, you're, you are a uh, freelancer. Right. You do various design stuff. Your service contract may have certain policies and procedures in there that you talk about the scope of your service, what you do, what right. you don't do, how you bill. That's your procedure part, right? So you list, oh. Your contract already documents your policy to your clients. These are the things that we provide services. So, like for example, our retainer agreements for the law firm, it will list what we're doing for you. Um, if you're retaining us for business uh, law consultations, so what we will talk about is we will advise you and and, and Draft documents. Those are our policies. Our policies. What we're doing for you. 
Right. Um, and it will include how we bill you. We bill at, you know, by the hour or on a monthly flat fee or, you know, uh, we will list that, how how we bill. You know, our policies on billing, our billing policies, um, we issue bills every month, da, da, da. And then our procedures may actually be on there as well in our contract. You'll see our contract will say something to the extent of bills will be issued every month. Clients need to pay within so many days. Late payments will uh, incur a fee of, you know, 1% per month. Those are your procedures, and they're all in the contract. But the contract itself may not cover all of your business practices and procedures because definitely the contract um, won't talk about how I handle my employees. It won't talk about other things just because the contract is just between my firm and the client. So that's a little different versus um, some of the other issues that we use. So what, we, what you have when we talk about uh, policies and procedures is the your overall business, right? Mm-hmm. So you may have the employee handbook, Mm-hmm. which covers your employment policies. Right. You may have a business policies, uh, business policy book, which talks about your return policies, your, you know, credit policies, uh, you know, shipping. When do we decide to ship something you know, overnight? Or when do we, you may have those down right. and you may not. Some businesses, smaller businesses probably have posted up somewhere, Oh, if we're shipping something, you know, overnight, we have to charge this. Okay. Policy and procedures there. But it's nice to have it somewhere centralized where everyone can refer to. Um, And and then the documentation is really just putting it in writing so someone can refer to it, right? Right. Okay. So that's that's kind of what we're talking about, policies and procedures. But But the main reason for doing something like this and documenting it is really practice. Practice, practice, practice. Hmm. If you make this a part of your regular routine for your business. Right. And it sounds like it's a lot of work. Right. And it usually <laughs> is at the beginning. Right? At the beginning. Right. You come up with your policies, you write it down. You come up with your procedures on how to enforce those policies, you write it down. And then you just get into practice of every time you do it, because you're already doing some of this, right, documentation-wise. Right. What are you doing when you're shipping it? Someone is sending you an email, someone's going online, placing an order, that order comes in, you document that order by printing it up or storing it on your system somewhere, and then when you ship things out, you have a confirmation of shipping or the procedures. You send an email to the client that you've shipped it out, here's the tracking number, Right. but you documented it by sending that email out. Okay. Your procedures to send the, your procedures oh, to let the client know you've sent something out to them. Right. So that's your procedure. And you documented that procedure by sending the email to the client. So now you have a documentation that you've followed the procedure. Our policy oh, is okay. always notify. But so my office, our policy is if we send anything out on behalf of the client, we want to make sure the client gets a copy of it. Okay. So our client is always kept. The in policy the loop is type. to keep our client in the loop of what we're doing for them. Okay. That includes our monthly billing to them so they can see what we're doing. Okay. It includes sending them a copy of everything that we send out um, to the court, to anywhere else. If we're communicating on their behalf, they get a copy of it. That's the policy. The okay. procedure I have my staff doing is nothing leaves the office without scanning it in. And then once you have it scanned in, you always the procedure is email the client a copy. And okay. if you're mailing it, you can always mail the client a copy as well, but most clients nowadays we're reducing on paper, so we email the client a copy of what we're doing. Um, that's you. the procedure. And my documentation, <laughs> because it's by email, I see it. And I make the, I make the staff always see, see me on it, so then I see it as well. And the next step that our staff does then is print that email up as a memo, um, digital form, and store it in our communications folder for the client. So we know that we communicate it with the client and we can go back. Because if you ever want to try, don't depend on your email to have those records there two years later. Hmm. Okay. Right? Because right. sometimes it's not there. Right. So what you want to do is print it up. Um, but I'm not. When we say print nowadays, we're not saying print it up on paper anymore. Just print it to PDF. Right. And store it on a folder. So like in, in my office, we have a correspondence folder for each client, okay. and we print it up and put it in there. Email on such and such date. Documented. Uh, documented ourselves following our policy and procedures. 
Okay. Got you. Okay. And so it's like that way too, it's way more organized because instead of you having one large folder, oh, correspondence, and then not naming it correctly or anything like that and having to sort through all of those documents, you actually have something where it's like, no, this is for client A and this is for client B. And then you're able to kind of house all of their information, right? Well, yeah, that's going to be, that's again, now we're going back to again, your business's policy. How do you store things? How do you, you know, oh, wow. how do you organize things? Those are your policies. Then, the, I mean, more like, those are your policies. Your policy is you store everything, you, you record everything. Then the procedures, right. how do you do it? Right? Okay. Do we uh, do we alphabetize everything? Do we do it by date? That's going to be something that your business does, and it's not for us to tell you how to do it, what, what's best and whatnot. Right. But as an attorney, one of the things that, um, one of, uh, but as an attorney, when something comes up, the first thing we ask our clients is, what documents do you have to prove your point? To to no wow. to to show me the process because clients love when they when something happens we will they'll meet with us and they'll talk to us right, right. they'll tell us the entire story right. and it's totally fine um, but the problem is now that you're you telling me all that? of this do you have anything in writing right. to support what you're saying because what do I do when I go to court I have to show evidence and there's two types of evidence or Test, oral testimony, which is you sitting up there telling your story. Right. Um, and then physical evidence, which is documents and, and papers and whatever that will support your story. Because at the end of the day, if it's just your story versus their story and nothing to, you know, solidify that, that is, then we have a hard time and it becomes a he said, she said thing in court. And that is just never fun. Right. And then do you, do you, I know you're not, you know, we can't really put value on which one's more important, but if you could, um, would you say that having a written documentation is a bit more powerful um, in the legal world than kind of that oral com like communication? Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, it is. It carries like more uh, weight. Absolutely. Well, I wouldn't say it carries more weight because um, the question is, what is more believable, right? Right. Your testimony, um, and it depends on when you're testifying, if you're a, a credible witness, do you hum, hum, there's all that stuff. But physical evidence is so much better. And, and more importantly is when the physical evidence is from a third party. Right. So say you sent an email out um, and, or, or you, you know, it, or if you sent something by mail, that requires signature on receipt, and you get the post office sending you that little note back that says they signed for it. Right. Isn't that much more powerful than you saying, I sent it to him? Definitely. Because now I'm like, I sent it to him. I sent it to him by registered mail. Right. And here's the little card that he signed that the post office sent back to me saying that he received it. Wow. Right, because now right. you've got the post office saying, "Yeah, something was delivered." Obviously, the post office isn't going to be able to say what was delivered because right. it's a package. We don't know what's inside, but at least now we have proof that I did send something to him. Now it's their side to say, "Well, I didn't. You know, I, I received something, but it wasn't what you sent." Wow. Right. Then now it's now it's a. How can you be sure? Why would I go through the entire process of doing this, paying the post office, doing all that, if I'm not sending you the what I say I'm sending you? Wow. Okay. Then that, when, who's more believable? Yeah. You signed for it, and you're saying that's not what you received, or me who went through the whole entire process of doing this properly to make sure you receive what I say you're sending to you. Right. Right. Oh, right. that makes so, so much documentation more sense. is very important because we, when we get to court, that's, you know, that's going to be more important. And oftentimes, if you have the documentation up front, we may not even have to file a lawsuit because when you, when you reach out to someone, and here's an, a great example. Last week, bless my, bless my clients. I love them so much. But <laughs> you, have, you always have people, uh, you, we always do business, and we're so excited about doing the business and getting the deal done that we sometimes forego the formality of making someone sign a contract. Right. So back to stressing documentation is very important. 
Okay. I have a client who does, um, who imports products, consumables, and they sell. So um, they sell to supermarkets. They sell to distributors that sell that then sell to the supermarkets. Right. And these are seasonings, right? Um, various Asian food seasonings. And I don't want to put down any ethnic group or anything, but most small businesses, because you're so... You feel so powerless when you're negotiating with these larger right. chains right. And, uh, to do the business. You just want to get the business done. Right. Um, and they have the the right heart. They contacted us, asked us to prepare a an agreement for them. We prepared a letter of intent. This is how, and the letter of intent talks about this is how we're, what we're selling to you. This is the price. This is the terms. And the terms were supposed to be cash on delivery. They deliver the inventory. They get paid. And then, you know. Uh, if there's problems with the inventory, then we deal with what, if there's any problems, then we deal with a return, right? Right. So um, they did that. They, we prepared a, a letter of intent for them, sent it to them. They sent it to the other side. They never for, they never got the wholesaler to sign that letter of intent. Oh, the wholesaler dear. then turns around and just sends them an email confirming the terms are good. They're, they're okay with these terms. Okay. Come, uh, so I'm placing an order. Send me the shipment. Okay. Right? My client's really happy. It's like, you know, $60,000 worth of, ship, uh, of inventory. Right. He goes and delivers it, and um, and he de- he delivers it, and at the point of delivery, um, after they unload everything from the truck into the warehouse for the wholesaler, the wholesaler was like, you know what, I'll pay you tomorrow. I don't have the check today. Because uh, there were some minor changes. There are a few boxes that they, they didn't accept. So okay. issuing me a new, another invoice. And then they came back. They did that. And uh-huh. then the wholesaler's like, you know, I want to do this one. What? Well, oh, dear. Different things. Right. 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 They chase it for about a month, and finally they come to us, and we're talking products that have expiration dates. Oh, So geez. every day it's sitting there, Oof. even if you get it back, you might not be able to sell it again, right? Right, right. And then with COVID but, and everything going on right now, too, there's right, probably different right, stipulations. Exactly. And first thing I ask is, so where's the signed contract? Right. Uh, and they said we had an I'm email. Like, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, so yeah. what is your policy when a client, when a buyer changes the terms on you? Right. Well, we normally wouldn't give it. Um, so why didn't you pack the products up and bring it back? He's like, because they, they're, they're taking the entire inventory. And it's like, okay, so now what am I going to show the court that your terms Showing. were actually cash on delivery and not contingency? Right. And what do I have to show the court that there aren't issues with the delivery? Oh, because we geez. don't have anything. Everything's by phone call. Right, right. By, WeChat oh, by WhatsApp, man. you know, and sometimes and I, I can print up your text messages and show it that way. Right. But then we have issues of how can I, how can I be certain? How am I going to tell the court that this phone number right. to this person is actually an employee? Because you're using your personal phones now. Oh, gee, because of co- oh man, oh man, right? That's so, a doozy. So there's all sorts of things, but if if a business has policies and they have procedures to enforce those policies right then it then they should really also do the documentation of it you have those policies you have those procedures enforce them right this client had all the intention they have to set up the policies they had all the intentions for the procedures they paid us to prepare an agreement right but they didn't insist on them signing the agreement they took their email and say okay we're good with these terms Right. And went forward with the deal, and now we have a problem trying to enforce the deal because I don't right. have a signed contract. Wow! And so in right? those in those cases and and in those circumstances, because um, I as soon as you had said that, I I thought about how as a millennial I'm used to hearing about deals being made that way from like old, yes. older relatives in my family. You right. know, they do the handshake, the handshake thing. Yes. yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. And so- and you know what? Handshake deals are great and I would love it. And the gentleman's deal, the right, handshake right, deal. So right. that's great when nothing, ha- when nothing goes wrong. Right. But when right. something goes wrong, how do you prove you have a handshake deal? Absolutely. It's your words against theirs. Right. 
Right. And then so what even I the, the phone calls and things like that. Yeah. Like, um, so I was one just, of the things oh. you can do, um, mm-hmm. even if you don't have your policies and procedures down, a good document, uh, a good way of documenting those handshake deals right. in today's world, email confirmation. Oh. Dear so-and-so, thank you for, uh, it was a pleasure speaking to you today. Right. This is just a recap of our discussion today. We agreed on these terms. Right. Please let me know if I have a mis- if there is anything wrong with my understanding of our terms. Right. I look forward to working with you. Wow. Send it out. If you don't get an email back that, that's so you're, you're mistaken. Right. That's, a, that's at least a, 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 some sort of documentation that you have. Right. An agreement, right? And even better if you do it where have you ever know have you ever used the options on your email requesting for a read receipt? I have at work, yeah. So guess what? When you do that, you ask for a read receipt, then oh, when the person reads gosh. the email, don't you get like an yes. email from the system that says yes. they read it? Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, that's something I can use in court to say we sent the email out. Looks like they read it, and they right. didn't contradict our understanding. So these are the terms. Okay, and so it's if, not as if, strong as a signed contract, but at least there's something for the attorney to present the terms as right. we believe both parties understood them. And it would be probably even better or a stronger case if they did sound, if they did, you know, confirm like, yeah, no, 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 yeah, we talked about that. You know, like that would well, yeah, would that be proof? If you don't have a signed contract, at least I have written some type of writing that says you both agreed to these terms and right. it's not just your mind versus their mind because then it's a back to he said she said and i know you said this but in my head i wasn't thinking this right right it's it's right yeah no definitely and so cindy so now comes the hope okay this is this is the great part of these podcast episodes because cindy i know you're gonna give some great tips so in terms of documentation what do you find um, either within your business or things that you've seen that is the best and most efficient way to um, to kind of um, hold your documentation? Like, do you try to do files? Do you try to keep paper copies and phys- or physical copies and digital? Or do you store them somewhere else? Like, what, so, what route do you take and what tips can you give the listeners? In, in today's world, we don't do paper as much anymore. Okay. Um, right. So I, I'm going to say in today's world, I think everyone, a lot of people just do text messages and, e- uh, uh, you know, communications and emails. But I will say that f- from a legal standpoint, um, a text message confirming something you talked about is better than you saying you talked about it. Right. Number one, an email detailing that is better than a text message. Oh, a signed okay. contract Ooh, with both, per- both parties' signatures on it. Yeah, way better. And what's oh. better than a signed contract is a notarized signed contract. Oh my gosh! So there's levels. Right? <laughs> there's levels, right? So right. when you say, "How do we store this stuff? How do yeah. we how do we keep these records?" Um, obviously, a lot of people are are just right now. A lot of businesses, and I think a lot of people in general being that if they sent out the email, they have a record of the communication. Right. The problem with email is that if we're going back, so just, just so you know, a written contract has a statute of limitation of four years. Wow. So if you have a breach of contract, right. your contract, say you signed it in 2010. Okay. And the contract lasts five years or 10 years. Right, um, because it's a service contract, and you're still doing work for them. You're still getting paid regularly and whatnot. And you know, in 2017, they stop paying you, but you're still doing the work, and there's an outstanding balance um, that they haven't paid you. Right. Statute of limitations is that you know you've got four years to file a lawsuit from the date of breach. Wow. At least in California, that is, wow. and so. Even though the contract was signed in 2010, we're talking about when did they breach the contract. If right. the contract was one of those signing that, you know, the services and it's the repeated um, work being done and repeated payment and right. continuing on, in 2017 when they stop paying you and you notify them and you try to collect, that's when your time starts running for how long 
do you have before you lose your chance to file a lawsuit against them? Right? Got you. And it's for, and, and under the California law, the statute of limitations is four years for a written contract. An oral contract, one that's not written and one that you have no writing to prove that a contract or an agreement was reached, right. I believe is two years. Wow. But try proving when yeah, I was gonna, the breach yeah. occurred right. in an oral contract, right? Yeah. That's, that's going to always... And when you have these issues, that's where the attorneys really make their money because we're spending a lot of time arguing over minor details wow. that we can't prove. Wow. <laughs> that's hard to prove. But that's why you're paying the attorneys a big bucks. But my point about why what our firm does, we do business transactions, our whole goal is to help you minimize litigation expense and, and exposure. So it's all about your documentation. We have these documentations. The less time your attorney is going to spend in court arguing over what was agreed upon. When did it happen? Right. Right? Because you have documents to show what was agreed upon. When did it happen? Hey, he stopped paying it. We send them an invoice every month, and they and starting you know June twenty seventeenth, we that was the last time we received a payment. In August twenty seventeen, we sent a letter demanding for payment. We still haven't received it. Hey, I know definitively. Wow. At least in August, uh, as early as June, if not later in August, is that that was when they decided they're no longer going to pay us, even wow. though they still owe us. I have right. a definitive date to go with now. Right. But if you don't have these type of documentations, your attorney then has to argue certain certain points, and you're ending up paying a lot more in litigation attorney's fees than you are in running your business. So spend a little of that time to deal with these matters before they become a legal issue in court. Wow. And that's all about business transactions. It's all about documenting your, your business transaction, right? right. Um, and documenting your business transaction doesn't mean just documenting the beginning of it. Okay. Documenting every step of the way, your business, your policies and procedures. Documenting the way you enforce your policies by the procedures that you took. Okay. You know, we send right. them an invoice every month. Um, an invoice is a documentation, and that's enforcing your you know, payment, uh, your, your invoicing policies and procedures, payment proce- uh, policies and procedures, right? They stop paying. We sent them a, a letter um, that their payment is late. That's a documentation showing that you're, you're following your procedures to enforce collecting payment. Um, and then you send them to collections or you send them a collection letter. Another documentation showing that you are following your procedures right. in enforcing your policy in getting paid. Okay. And then your attorney now has these documents that they can then show, and likely or not, with some of this stuff, with a with an attorney letter demanding for payment, showing all of this stuff, showing that hey, you really have you know here's all of our stuff. Even if we have to file a lawsuit, we're in a much better position to prove our point, right? Than not, and you're more likely to get the other side to say, let's sit down and talk about this. Wow. Versus prove it. Right. Okay. Because right. technically you do have. They prove it. Right. And because they know you have the documentation, now they're like, okay, well, maybe we can, you know, mediate or, you know, try to figure it out that way rather than you going through with the lawsuit. Is that kind of what the deal is? Exactly. Okay. Because at the end of the day, it's, do you have the evidence? Right. Do you have the evidence. Documentation is what we're talking about. It's the evidence that you need to prove your your side of the story. Right. Okay. Right? And the policies and procedures are basically, you know, how you do your bu- how you do your business, why you have why you do it this way and how you enforce the whys. Right? Policies, mm-hmm. procedures. And then the documentation is the evidence part of it. Right. Uh, and some businesses can do- go fine without having that, but most businesses it's better to do that. And I always tell my clients, if you've been in business for 5, 10, 15 years and you've never filed, if you never had to deal with a lawsuit, whether you file or you are sued, right. you're just very, very lucky. Wow. It doesn't, it, it rarely does anyone go through business without having, I mean, 10, 20 years of, uh, of doing business and not have one incident, whether it's a lawsuit or a complaint that led to some sort of legal process, right. you know, whether it's, you know, mediation or whatnot. It's very rare um, that happens, but it does. And 
oftentimes the small businesses are the ones that um, suffer the most with these type of policies because it's so costly. Right. You go and find an attorney, retain their fee, you know, it, it might be a dispute of $10,000 and you're already paying their several thousand dollars to retain an attorney. Oof, um, but yeah. what you want to do is minimize on those expenses so if you are able to, you know, show all of this up front. You may not have to go through that entire legal process of, of a lawsuit or whatnot. Um, and one of the things why this is important, and it's for all businesses, but more important for the small businesses to do these procedures and documents because the big businesses are already doing They have departments handling that. But the small businesses are not. And a lot of the lawsuits involve more the small businesses. There right. are more small businesses in court fighting smaller, you know, value lawsuits than there are the big, giant, million-dollar lawsuits out there. I mean, if you look, if you pick a day, well, nowadays, the courts are kind of closed, and you can't go in as much, but it, when the courts are open, um, pick a day, pick, pick a department, go in and sit, and just listen to some of the cases I've been <laughs> arguing. It's going to be, you know, small businesses suing each other. Oh, um, my You know, individuals and right. stuff. Uh, it's rarely the big cases, right? right? Because, you know, big companies, they're going to settle. They have documentation. They have procedures. They, they settle these things faster. You know, they deal with these things. But for a small business, you can't afford to just pay out when someone complains. Right, right. And sometimes you may just want to spend a few thousand dollars for an attorney to infor- to hold your ground. Right. But how do you hold your ground if you don't have documents to show you have policies and you follow these policies and you consistently do it this way. And this happens with doing business with your clients. And it's the same with your employees. Right. Um, everything within the four walls of your business and how you do anything, it has policies, procedures, and documentations are necessary. Okay. And so what okay. attorney, so say, you know, like in the example you were giving earlier, say there is a case But in this case, you know, the person does have documentation or they do have some kind of written um, either contract or email confirmation and things like that. Who would you who is needed or what type of attorney is needed to kind of enforce those um, and like just reinforce those policies and procedures? Oh, Daisy, this is called a CNT Law of Media Hour. So of course, you need someone <laughs> like our firm, CNT Law Group, right? Oh, I just set it up right there. Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, all, all, all kidding aside, obviously, a business law attorney, especially one who specializes, uh, who who focuses on business transactions, are great. Okay. Um, in the sense that, you know, we can help set you up with some of these uh, policies, procedures, and documentations, right. employee handbooks, the various things. We can help you set all of those up. And it's it's a tour to start with. But once you have it all set up, you just have to follow it. And what you do is, um, you know, routinely, maybe once a year, once every other year, check in with that transaction attorney or any transaction attorney um, and have them review, you know, your policies and procedures and see if you need to update or change anything, especially your employee handbook. And obviously, anytime there's a major change in the law. Now, obviously, if you have, if you're working with the same attorney, then what happens is when you're coming back for maintenance work, that attorney's not going to have to spend as much time reviewing all everything. Right. And then, you know, we can do, because we should already know more or less what we did for you last time right. to then just update your stuff um, if you're changing. So you decide, you know, you started your business, a small business, you're not giving, you're not giving vacation hours or anything. Your, your employee handbook doesn't talk about vacation hours or specifics to say it doesn't have vacation hours. Right. You only get, paid sick leave as required by the um, by the state right. and in a few years you're doing better and you want to do that now give us a call if we're your attorneys give us a call and say hey Cindy or whoever is handling your case we're thinking about adding a policy to right. our employees and giving them vacation hours what do you think how should that policy work right hey we already have the documents here, so we'll just pull it up, update it for you, introduce, uh, you know, add that section in, and 
send it back to me and you're only paying us for the time of adding that section. I know it's called maintenance work and it right. doesn't have to be yearly. It could be every other year, but definitely anytime there's a major change in the law. Um, I, you know, and maybe every five, 10 years, you may want to have a revamp of all of that and then have a you know thorough look through. Right. But it's not something that you have to do every month, every day. Um, you know, in terms of the, the documentation of the policies and procedures, what you have to do every day is enforcing that to Ooh, okay. actually implementing it, right? right? You have the policies, you have the procedures, you have a documentation of it. Now you make sure everyone is following these right. procedures. Um, so definitely a, a, a business transaction uh, law firm would, would definitely be able to help you with that. And that includes like the contracts and everything. But um, on a smaller scale, so say, you know, because there's some things that you're dealing with on a daily basis, right. like the employment issues. Right, right. You probably have that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if you have, if you subscribe to maybe a payroll service, like right. ADP, um, or any other type, there are various HR services out there that are for the small business. You have like four to five employees. Right. They charge you a minimum amount per employee. They handle your payroll for you. Um, you just, you know, on a regular basis, let them know how many hours each person worked. They will handle the payroll. They will make sure everyone, um, they will have the money deducted from your bank account, make sure everyone gets direct deposit. They handle the filings with the uh, taxes for your quarterly payroll reports and all of that. Mm-hmm. And they can help. They have, they already have templates of um, uh, employee handbooks that they can do for, you know, that you can have access to. Cause I, I subscribe to, I use ADP and ADP gotcha. has a number, a number of other services. Um, when you log in, they've got like employee handbooks. You can take a look at this and, uh, those are, you know, other, if, if a law firm's too expensive to do that, and I truly do sometimes think a law firm is a little expensive right. for the small business, if you're looking to have them also look at all of the employment issues, um, just regular practices, right? But something like ADP or, or some other um, human resource services will have all of these employment-related documents, that uh, templates, and, and various services for you. And then all you need to do is just have your your attorney on hand for when you actually have a complaint or when you actually have an issue where you're trying to terminate an employee, you may want to, you know, talk to your attorney. But also some of these HR services will also have that, group, that service where they help you with the documentation of uh, employees, hire, onboarding an employee, terminating an employee, recommending an employee. They have those services too. And oftentimes it's definitely, definitely not as expensive as a law firm. That's amazing. So Cindy, just to kind of give a last minute like tip, what would you advise people, either small business owners or people who have a little bit better businesses? Would you, um, I know meeting with an attorney is always a great first step but are there any things that maybe we can do to set up for success? Setting up for success now, so that all depends on what you are, um, what your goals are, right, right. And, and where your concerns lay. Right. Um, if your concerns are about, like I said, if your concerns are about your employment practices, those HR service firms are great because. But, you know, and, and since they include the, will help you deal with your payroll and all of that, they're a great resource to go to. And there is a fee, obviously, but it, right. it's a monthly fee, for, and it, it comes with the payroll processing and whatnot, um, if that's your concern. Now, if your concern is the overall business policies and procedures, that's a little different. Right. Um, and with business policies and procedures, my recommendation is definitely go talk to an attorney. Gotcha. Go talk to an attorney. Um and, and see what, you know, and don't feel bad to shop around a few places before you start decide on one. Okay. But, um, but an attorney is usually the best. Now, you don't necessarily need a litigator. Um, you want to look for transaction attorneys that, that can, and those that specialize in business law and practices, right? Um, they're the ones that you want to talk to, and, and definitely our firm is one of those. But um, I don't know that... Um, 
there are a lot of resources also available online right. um, that you can go to and, and download templates. The only thing I'm really concerned about those are oftentimes these templates do not address your specific needs. Right. It's, it's very generic, right? It's very right. general. And then you have to go through it and figure out what you need and what you don't need, take out or add. Um, but And when you're doing that, you're still maybe paying a few hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Right, you for know, contracts that don't even, yeah, they don't even... That like, may not uh, meet your need, right. um, you know, and so, um, and, and I don't want to shoot down anyone, but I, I get I get it a lot where clients went to have someone else set up their business, and then, um, and they have, they have, they set up the entire, they have a corporate kit, and they have their uh, operating agreement and everything, and then they come and they're like, oh, we have a problem with our partner, we want to... We want to buy them out, this and that. And I'm like, oh, what does your operating agreement say? Do you have a buyout clause? Right. And they're just like, mm, we have we it. Have, we have yeah. a corporate kit. And I look at the corporate kit, and there's the operating agreement. It's not signed. There's Oof. still blanks. There's still, oh, still the blanks that you oh, haven't touched. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and then now, now you now that you have a dispute with your partner, then you're coming to an attorney. We're going to have to. It's kind of late. Not now, only draft right? the agreement, right? Um, so that we can settle your partner. Then we're going to then. Then at that point, if you come to me, I'll be like, okay, now that we settle your partner, I want the partners that are remaining to enter into an agreement for the future situation, right? right. So, you know, it, now you've kind of increased the cost of it. But um, but when you're starting off, really look to look to a law firm that can help you write some of these documents with detail. I'm not saying this, the templates are not good. The templates are good if you go through and fill it out and make sure some of your specific concerns are addressed. But the templates are for the general people. Right. And, you know, you may have specific requirements. Um, at least, you know, if you're going to do that, then go to an attorney to have some of those specific requirements added into the template. It won't flow as well, but, you know, some attorneys will still be willing to do it. We're okay with doing that. We generally don't like doing that because then the document doesn't, there's a lot of things missing and we have to put them in, but we can still do it. I just prefer that we work off of something, you know, and not to say that we don't work off of templates because as law firms, we subscribe to Lexis and whatnot, and there are templates there that we pull up as well. But the difference between us doing it and you getting it is, does it... Did you fill out everything you need to? Do you have all the terms in there that you need, right? Right. So um, to start off with, you know, policies and procedures, really just, um, you know, the first thing you might want to do is at least write down what your policies are. And sometimes the policies can just be how, what do you want to define your business as? Uh, what are the things that you want to do about your business? And then come up with procedures and then go talk to an attorney. Um, that way, you have some of these in mind already and how you're going to do it. I, I love it when clients come to me and they tell me they want to do this, but they haven't spent any time on it. Because right. then what I end up having to do is give them a list, give them homework. Right. And I was like, now go home, talk to each other. And do this checklist. Figure out how you want to run this business. Right. What are the things you're concerned about? And then come back and then I can help you draft it. And then we can talk about it a little more and fine tune these procedures. Right. If you come to me as a blank slate, you get overwhelmed with all the different things that you should be doing. And I can give you a template as well. I right. can give you a template and say, well, look at this template. Here's some of my proposal. And, and you get overwhelmed because it's like 50 pages. Right. Most of the time, we take that 50 pages and we narrow it down to about 10, 20 pages, right? Right. And just um, make it so that it's more manageable and that it's actually being able to be used for those companies' needs specifically. Specifically for you, I mean, you don't, you know, and you want to look at your industry as well. Some of these documents, your business policies and procedures have a lot to do with your industry and industry practice. Right. Right. Industry practice and standards are really important. And um, you may want to incorporate those into your business policies and procedures. Don't don't assume customers understand. You know, I mean, yes, if you go to the market and you buy something off of the shelf and it's already expired, industry standard would mean uh, you can't sell this. And and if I bought it by mistake, I should be able to return it. But you may want to implement that into your policy, especially your employee handbook, letting, letting your staff know, your employees know, 
don't put something on the shelf that's going to expire tomorrow. And if you right. do, you better put a big old sign that says expiring tomorrow, manage your special discount. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you <laughs> so much, Cindy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Cindy. This was such a great episode talking about policies, procedures and documentation. Thank you, guys. This is a Hayes Radio Network CNT Media Hour. And this episode was with Cindy Tran. You guys have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful day. And, and uh, by all means, do reach out to us if you have any questions. We always love to talk to listeners. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network. Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.